and welcome everybody to episode 13 of the regression to the mean podcast i am your host sean moran and as always on monday nights here keegan thompson keegan how are you doing man you know son we're all right i'm winning fantasy football games but i don't know it feels like i'm not times are dark <laughs> Times are dark. It's that time of the fantasy year where you start to question your teams, no matter if you're winning or losing. So Keegan probably should be in a better mood, considering that he told me before we started recording that he didn't watch a second of that Monday night game. So he was spared of Russell Wilson being too short to throw over the middle and Nathaniel Hackett being the worst coach in the NFL right now. So he should probably be in a better mood. But I mean, I'm guessing you're feeling a little grim because that Hollywood Brown injury. I'm pretty bummed. There's nothing like losing a wide receiver that is way outperforming his ADP, but also as somebody who does not have a lot of stock in good running backs, I can't take a loss like that in fantasy. It hurts. You're, you're, you're usually banking on your wide receiver to stay healthy all year because that's kind of the point of going zero RB is the fact that wide receivers typically stay healthy. Running backs typically get hurt. But hey, we got positive news on the Hollywood Brown front. He's only going to be out six weeks. So could be nice coming back for playoffs, fantasy playoffs, that is, and having him slide right into that back into his role. But I'm not super confident on the Cardinals moving forward after this week, but we'll talk about them. Yes, Cliff may be spending some time behind bars, um, but we'll get to that a little bit later in the podcast today. But before we dive into all things week six fantasy football, as I never thought I'd be saying that we're going to be talking to you after a major Jets win. What's going on, man? This is weird. You start a fantasy podcast, you know, you're crushing fantasy. The Jets are four and two. Like, dude, like, how are you sad? The Jets are four and two. They went into Lambeau and won. Like, what's your deal? Dude? We kicked the crap out of a drug addict, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> wait, for, for our listeners who may not know, he's referring to the fact that Aaron Rodgers has been pretty public about the fact that he's taking ayahuasca um so you know key is taking an opportunity to call him a drug addict yeah all of those enlightenments and psychedelic journeys just to lose to the new york jets so what's it really worth you know what's his deal he like is is just bombing the ball downfield when no one's open he's just not taking the check downs and the dump offs like is he like pouting like what is he doing and he doesn't like show any emotion like, I saw this when he lost to the 49ers in Lambeau in that playoff game where in the second half, he just didn't look like he wanted to be out there. And I kind of got a general sense that this guy just didn't really want to, he didn't want to get hit. He didn't want to be out there. Like, what, what was going on with Aaron Rodgers? Is the Jets D just that good? I mean, Quinton Williams is getting a ton of love on Twitter right now. Oh Sauce gosh, Gardner no. is my pick to win defensive rookie of the year right now. So yeah, I don't want to dog too much on Rodgers. He's a future all family, but he definitely seems like he's, got less heart in football this year but the jets front four you know with john franklin myers quinnon williams carl lawson i mean they looked really good this week and they were hounding the packers offensive line they couldn't run the ball yeah. there was tons of qb presses on aaron Rodgers. qb hits quinnon had two sacks on top of a blocks field goal i mean he is a monster this week there was just no answer for that front four. And then, of course, Sauce Gardner played incredible. He almost started off that game with a pick six that barely touched the ground um, off the wide receiver's hand. So, I mean, it was just all around shit kicking from our defense and special teams, too. The rookie Michael Clemens out of AM had a huge pump block that Will Parks, uh, a backup safety, picked up, scooped, and scored. I mean, after we scored and it was 10 3, we didn't we had the lead the rest of the game and just felt like the Packers never had an opportunity to get back in it. I never felt worried after that, which is so weird to say. I think of watching these jets for the past 12 years. I'm always worried like, well, this is the breakdown. This is the breakdown. Oh, this is the, this is the play. And we did this all behind an awful Zach Wilson game, which I think makes it better. There's a lot of people who are going to be like, Zach Wilson played bad, but I think that's awesome that we can win without having to put it all on his shoulders. Yeah, the recipe seems pretty clear. Play good defense and give number 20 the rock, right? I mean, give that, number 20 the rock yeah, as much Brees, as possible. Get Brees Hall involved. Like, that that seems to be the recipe. Was so cool. And I'm sure you saw it on Twitter, but that was an, intended to be kind of like a reverse pass situation where he dips it off, 
to Garrett Wilson, but Brees Hall just caught up in his vision and saw that the play wasn't there, saw daylight, and took it home. And yeah, they didn't, even, they didn't even call his number. Brees called his own. You exactly. love to see that. You love that to see awesome. that. Uh, my Brees Hall shares are, uh, yes, they are riding high, man. Stonks. We're having a great time with Brees Hall in the lineups. You know, and if you haven't, for people that have been listening to our podcast, if you are a new listener, thank you. We appreciate it. Hope you're having a great time. Hope you learned something new today. We've typically had this recap, our kind of our Monday night recap podcast where we're kind of going over winners and losers of the previous week. We have a pretty defined segment where, you know, we're sending people to jail. We've really been trying to come up with an opportunity to highlight a lot of the big winners in fantasy. Um, over the weekend, we've done a lot of cool segments like Didn't Write Back with Geno Smith. Big Geno Smith truth verse on this podcast. But we thought it'd be really fun to highlight the perfect team from week six. So I don't know if you've watched NFL Red Zone. I'm assuming a lot of you have. They used to run that ticker at the bottom of the screen where they'd highlight like the perfect fantasy lineup. Where it was like QB1, RB1, RB2, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, tight end one, defense, kicker, right? So... We thought it'd be a really fun way to highlight some of the best performing people in week six by highlighting the perfect team. And a lot of these, not really surprising. Some of them are a couple surprising. But I wanted to kick things off first and foremost with our QB1 this week, who off the top of my head I thought would be Josh Allen. No, it was actually Joe Burrow. Joey Burr finishing with 33 points on the week. He had that huge rushing touchdown that really juiced his total. That was actually a great play. Everyone's covered. He breaks out of a sack, runs in for like a 10, 15-yard touchdown. You know, rushing touchdowns are kind of a cheat code. We've seen that with Jalen Hurts all season. But Joe Burrow delivers in a massive performance, kind of in a bit of a homecoming for him and Jamar Chase. He rolled up in the stadium in the Jamar Chase jersey from the national title game. It's kind of good vibes all around. Were you surprised that Joe Burrow got off, or is this kind of like he has these big spike weeks out of nowhere? What were your thoughts on the Burrow performance? Is this kind of the start of something new trending forward? I think definitely carried by a lot of the work Jamar Chase did this weekend, and nothing to take away from Burrow. I thought Burrow was fine this week, but you know, riding on the back of 132 yards and seven receptions from Chase is pretty cool. Um, but I think I just felt that him coming back to Louisiana was – his time to shine, right? And they've been pretty sticky all year. Um, but Joe Burrow was never like somebody who was out of the question to be like a viable fantasy QB for you this year. I thought people kind of had him rated pretty high as like somebody you're definitely drafting and starting. But I thought, just thought it was kind of a good week for them to get right and definitely some changes in their offense. And they were just hucking it. Like Joe Burrow was just getting the ball to the people who can make plays this time. And I think it helped a lot. But I could expect some more big games from Joe Burrow, but this could be, I don't want to cap him off, but this could be like the peak of how many points Joe Burrow could score in a single game this year. Yeah. He, he's got that big touchdown. You know, he, Jamar Chase is always going to have that big touchdown ability. So you could see like a, a 50 bomb from Burrow like we did last year, but they mm -hmm. definitely took advantage of a very hobbled secondary for the saints Something that was surprising, QB2 on the day was Matt Ryan, who finishes with 28 fantasy points. The man threw for 390 passing yards, three touchdowns, and the most amazing stat of the day, zero interceptions, zero sacks. Matt Ryan took zero sacks as somebody who started the Jaguars defense. Same. All <laughs> over, all over my leagues this week. I was jaw hit the floor watching Matt Ryan do what he did. I had no idea that that corpse of a quarterback, that that statue was capable of doing what he did this week. He actually balled out, dude. He low-key picked him apart this weekend. He, he balled. That game-winning touchdown was sick. Like, he played. That was like a... I mean, that I, I don't... Like, is that a vintage Matt Ryan game? I get... I mean, vintage Matt Ryan is taking, like, a back-breaking sack to get out of field goal range or throwing a pick in the end zone. That's, like, vintage Matt Ryan. But that was an incredible game. They're now 3-2-1. and one. Uh, The AFC South, man. It's like a voodoo doll. Get, a, get away from it. Don't bet those games. Don't even try and figure it out, man. Because... That is that is a stinky division. I want no part in trying to figure out how that works. But Matt Ryan with a big day. And then, of course, 
Josh Allen. What are we going to say about it? There's nothing to say about Josh Allen, man. It's just it's a the same treat. Thing every week. Yeah, it's just it's just a treat to watch Josh Allen play. And I think there's a real argument that taking him in the third round is not a bad pick. Like you're literally going to have 25 points every week because Josh Allen is just a beast. And not only has he turned into like a Tom Brady level processor in the pocket that gets rid of the ball so quickly and is able to process all of his reads, like he still is just a freight train out in the open field. He's hurtling people. I know. Like, and the arm talent thing to me is the best part about Josh Allen's like forward progress as an elite QB and like passer, because obviously it's so raw and he has this massive cannon of an arm, but that touchdown pass to Gabe Davis, he doesn't even look like he's flying, just effortlessly drops it in the bucket. That was incredible. I like people are going to see that throw and like, oh, that's super routine because it's Josh Allen. But like that is, if you go back and watch it, like he doesn't even like fully set his feet and just like effortlessly throws it up there right into the bucket. It was incredible. Uh, just another awesome game from Josh Allen. Him and Gabe Davis are like a perfect marriage. Like on that deep ball, it is, it's pretty cool. I, I put that one of our group shots where I'm like, how does Davis do it? He doesn't even look that fast. He's not that wiggly, but he's just always open. He's just burning corners. Outside, or if he's got one-on-one, like I think Josh just trusts him to be Take, there. Yeah, Gabe Davis might only give four or five targets a game, and I don't think anybody in fantasy cares. Like nope. you're you're probably going to start it moving forward regardless of target share or any of those numbers. He is like the outlier to those kinds of fantasy numbers. The quality of targets sometimes can be more important than the quantity. If you're going to target oh, yeah. Josh Allen, it's a big deal. But those are our perfect quarterbacks for this week. For the perfect team, again, we're going to be starting Joe Burrow. For running back one, it's your guy, Deion Jackson. So how many leagues did you start Deion in this week? <laughs> This is a classic case of like, you see an opportunity in fantasy. Like I was this two weeks ago now on an episode. I was like, I don't know if this sounds crazy, Sean. And this is pre Taylor complete injury. Um, Hines being injured. I said, maybe we'll check out Deion Jackson. Um, let's talk about this. 10 targets for 10 receptions is 79 yards to boost that 28 point outing from him in PPR and fantasy this week. And I, like the rushing attempts weren't even that great. Three and a half yards per carry but he did get in the end zone, but 10 receptions for 79 yards. And I played him in zero, zero leagues. And I actually own him in zero leagues because I was like, you know what? My rosters are great. I don't need any of that. But Deion Jackson might be a speculative ad that somebody could get. And I've got zero shares of him. Wait, you didn't didn't think he'd turn into Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler? Like you didn't (laughs) have that in your projections? Absolutely dumbfounded about it. like quite production this week. I couldn't believe it when I saw the final numbers from him. But I will say that probably with that kind of passing output from him and receptions, like that could be a good sign for Jonathan Taylor moving forward. Something to know. It could be, I would love to see that translate for JT. But that was yeah. an awesome fantasy output from Dion Jackson this week. One more time, just so everybody hears that name. Dion Jackson. <laughs> he got a great name for a stud running back. Like Dion Jackson, you like that guy plays running back. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> That guy just sounds like a baller. And then the RB2 on this week that we highlight for the perfect lineup is Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson, if you want to spell it like that. My guy, Mondre, I had him in every DFS lineup. I had him in one of my most important leagues. Ramondre seemed like the smash play against the Cleveland Browns in that terrible run defense. Ramondre Stevenson delivers. I think what's crazy about Ramondre Stevenson, it's not even just the counting stats, which were great. I think he had over 87 rushing yards. He had two touchdowns, like four catches. He was on the field for like 88% of the snaps. Yeah, 86%. It was just crazy. And I think there was a lot of question marks about the Patriots' backfield going into this year. And it has cleared up quite a bit from injuries, especially with Damian Harris out. But moving forward, I don't understand how Belichick and the Pats, like, do anything but play Ramondre Stevenson. He looks like a great, great running back. I mean, it's been weird, like, for him to get out there. It's taken a hamstring injury to Harris. You know, Ty Montgomery lands on the IR to start the season. So, like, a lot has had to happen for the Ramondre truthers to get, like, this output. But he clearly looks like the best running back for the Patriots. 
And he already had a 20-point outing against Baltimore earlier this year. Uh, in 19 last week against Detroit. And, you know, those three big outburst games, Sean, he's he's getting five targets in each of those games that he had 19 or more points. Um, and he's turning those into four receptions each time. So that's a little extra PPR bump for you. But Mondre Stevenson is going to be a great running back for the rest of the season moving forward. He's running back nine right now in PPR. Mm-hmm. So... Everyone that took Ramondre in the ninth, tenth round, wow, the zero RB truthers, they they are very happy about this Ramondre Stevenson performance. And, and he's we Chicago next week, so he might Chicago. find himself in this lineup next week. And we've got another honorable mention, Austin Eckler. If you watched that Monday night game, you're probably like, wow, Austin Eckler didn't have that good of a game. Psych, he had 16 targets and 10 <laughs> catches. I think Austin Eckler could score 15 points in his sleep right now. He is clearly the running back one in fantasy. Tell Keenan Allen comes back, he's going to continue to be a target hog. It's pretty remarkable to see Austin Eckler do this. I mean, he's basically just now fully assumed what Alvin Kamara was. So, again, did Josh Kelly get hurt tonight in the game? I don't know. I, I don't know. He, a lot of Sony Michelle. Um, let me check on that. You can talk about that. Yeah, he did. Next, next he did get hurt. Yeah, he, he got hurt with a knee injury. Okay, so that's, see, that's good to know. Yeah. It's good to know. Because um, he was kind of emerging as like a pretty decent handcuff play for actor yeah. owners or a stash option. And then now that's kind of gone out the window. Um, yeah. Eckler turning 24 points in after that stinker of a game. Pretty impressive. <laughs> pretty impressive. And Deion Jackson. As RB1 with 28 points, Ramondre Stevenson with 25 PPR fantasy points as RB2. Our three wide receivers that we have this week, Shamar Chase finishing with 32 points, Stephon Diggs finishing with 31 points, and Tyreek Hill finishing with 30. So the running backs, you know, kind of like sleepers. You know, no one's really banking on them to be RB1, RB2 on a given week. But the wide receivers, they delivered. I mean, Jamar Chase, I think with Jamar Chase, I would have I, I would have retired if this man didn't give me a 30-point game, Keegan. I mean, on the podcast on Friday, I was just begging for it. Tuesday, I threw Zach Taylor to fantasy jail. And what do you know? We started to get different route concepts for Jamar Chase. We started to see a more open offense. And we were able to see him deliver on his ADP. What did you think about Jamar? I know you mentioned big yak opportunities. We already talked about it with Burrow, but this was a huge week for everyone that drafted Jamar Chase in the first round. Yeah, I think that long touchdown play is like kind of what we've been missing a lot of this year for Jamar Chase. And it was definitely awesome to see the Bengals work him in, like you said, expand his route tree a little bit, mix things up. Let's get him around the field in different areas and open up that opportunity. He's such a special you know, runner after the catch that I've been, it's been really frustrating as Jamar Chase owner to see some of these games. Uh, but this was really positive. Uh, him and Joey B just had it going in Louisiana and what a perfect day for him to go off back in kind of like a homecoming for that. And you knew when Burrow pulled up in the Jamar Chase Jersey, that things were going to go well. It's like somebody almost could have called it on uh, on Friday, you know, yeah. somebody could have just called the homecoming slant, but who see, who knows, who knows? But yeah, Jamar Chase went off seven catches, I think 132 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs doing what Stephon Diggs does. 13 targets, 10 catches, 148 receiving yards, one touchdown. If you had a guess for right now for who the top scoring wide receiver in fantasy is, who would it be? Stephon Diggs. It is Stephon Diggs. A little obvious. But yes, Stephon Diggs is outscoring Cooper Cup, which is just insane do you think stefan diggs is the most reliable player in fantasy right now i do because he plays with the most consistent quarterback and the best and because they beat the chiefs i I can say this right now i think the best team in the nfl the best offense um outside of the jets outside of the jets and giants right the (laughs) hey uh the the top three teams the aoc are bills chiefs jets (laughs) But yes, I do think Stephon Diggs is the most reliable wide receiver. Um, I, I was talking to you about this before recorded, but Jamar or the top three wide receivers, uh, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, and Tyree Kill, there's a large percentage of Stephon Diggs' points coming off touchdowns. It's like 20 plus 
percent of his points coming off touchdowns. So that could mean we have a, a some negative regression, but not too much. I still think he's he might finish number one. I I think he will finish number one wide receiver this year. Okay. Tyreek Hill, who we're starting in our flex in this perfect lineup. Wow, you'll love to see it. 15 targets, 12 catches, 177 receiving yards. He is currently on pace to break Calvin Johnson's receiving yardage record. He's like on pace for like 1,980 receiving yards. The Freak with three different quarterbacks. He had his comment saying, special. The Freak said, I, I I can ball out with you throwing me the rock when he's talking to a reporter. <laughs> I mean, what what else can you say about Tyreek, man? I mean, the guy is just he's just a freak. I, it I, just I doesn't. Know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, doing it with three different quarterbacks this year is really impressive. Tyreek Hill has been everything and more the Dolphins could have hoped for. What was your stat that you had again? What what what's Tyreek's percentage of points that are coming from touchdowns? Yeah, so um, he is, you know, like PPR wide receiver number three, and Tyreek Hill is third as a wide receiver, but only 8% of his points are coming from touchdowns because that man is just a reception hog and a yard hog. I, if he starts adding some touchdowns to these outputs, like we could might see a 40 bomb from Tyreek Hill pretty soon here. One might say that he's a candidate for positive regression. That's kind of crazy. Wide receiver three is a candidate for positive regression. One that was a little surprising, our tight end one for this week, was actually his teammate, Mike Gusecki. So Mike Gusecki, he's basically been unplayable for most of the season, kind of invisible in this offense outside of his week two touchdown performance. But Gusecki turns in a fantastic day at the office with 25 fantasy points on the day. With seven targets, six receptions, 79 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. And I will say, the gritty looked a little bit better. It looked a tad bit better. It was I, awful. It, it still looked, looked awful. It, it was, did you see Jamar Chase saying, <laughs> I ain't going to lie? Twitter saying it. <laughs> yeah, he said, Jamar Chase quote tweeted uh, the video of uh, Gasecki hitting the gritty and said, I ain't going to lie, this ain't it. So it's not Jamar approved, but he's in the perfect lineup with Jamar this week. Do you think Gasecki is playable, or is this just kind of an aberration? Absolutely not. And I'm not even going to, like, front with you, Sean. I wouldn't consider him on waivers. Like, I'm not chasing that. Like, with all the quarterback changes, we're probably getting Tua back next week. I just don't think that he's somebody sustainable moving forward. He is, like, the premier boomer bust candidate, but, like, way too boomer bust. I think there's safer floors out there at tight end. I don't think Tua comes back and just, like, targets Mike Kiseki 10 times next week or anything like that or seven, whatever, you know, I just don't see that happening, but he had a good week. So Mike Kiseki week one, one point, Mike Kiseki week two, 14, week three, 1.6, week four, 4.3, week five, four, week six, 24.9. I currently chase that. Currently tight end 12 and has scored more points than Kyle Pitts, baby. Oh, everybody scored more points than Kyle Pitts, Sean. He got in the end zone! <laughs> he left jail. He got him out of jail, man. They threw it 17 times, and he had five of the targets. He so, had three uh, receptions. <laughs> that's a 40% target share, brother. We're, we're getting him out of jail. Um, oh. Okay, okay. So that's going to round out our skill position player. I think, again, honorable mention to Mark Andrews who uh, finishes at tight end two on the week with 23 fantasy points. I think we can just crown him tight end one, right? I mean, the guy is just... I, Mark Andrews is is one of the more consistent players in fantasy. I were mentioning about Stephon Diggs. Mark Andrews has scored 10 points, 25 points, 28 points, 3 points, 22 points, 23 points. He's currently tight end two because of Kelsey's monstrous four-touchdown game the previous week. But I think Mark Andrews is a more consistent bet at tight end in fantasy this season, which sounds insane to say out loud, considering what Travis Kelsey did last week. But he's the only I mean, one who catch the ball for Baltimore, though. So. Really, really, with th- that offense is barely functional with Rashad Bateman out, and Mark Andrews yeah. is really the only guy that can get open right now. They need him back desperately. Bateman yeah. is, yeah. So rounding out our tight ends in the perfect lineup, we also had. The New York Jets defense coming in at, what, 22 fantasy points? 
Uh, we already highlighted that a bit earlier. And I think Dustin Hopkins finished number one on the day, a kicker. I'm not going to, it was suck up before Monday night, but I think Dustin Hopkins sneaks in as kicker one on the week. So, in summation, our perfect team for week six Joe Burrow, Deion Jackson, Ramondre Stevenson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Mike Gusecki, Jets defense, and Dustin Hopkins. Just like we wrote it up, right? Yeah, a lot of those names make sense until you hear the Deion Jackson and Mike Gusecki slide. That, if that isn't an argument for zero RB, I really don't know what it is. You take your receivers early, you roll the dice on running back, you take a like take a QB whenever. You, like A Konami code quarterback doesn't top the list this week, but he did have a rushing touchdown. I think he had like 10 points added from rushing this game. Mm-hmm. Like That kind of proves our point too. So I, I thought it was a great week. I really enjoyed it. 49ers did lose, but what are you going to do? Fantasy was a good one. It's always great getting to see guys like Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill go off. It's just it's just a fun time to watch on Red Zone. But I think it's time that we talk about something that isn't as fun as the perfect team. I think it's time for us to air out some of our worst takes from last week. Yeah, it's time to own up to some calls we made, Sean. Let's cue it. Let's cue an anchor, man. Milk was a bad choice. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. So I'm going to lead things off today because I'm brave. Keegan, you're going to go second. (laughs) Fair. So last week I was going through some of my favorite matchups. I kind of stuck my neck out there. I said, "I I think this Packers and Jets game could be fantasy friendly. I kind of called Brees Hall. I thought, you know, we said the Packers had a terrible rushing defense. Brees Hall went off. But I said, I think A.J. Dillon's going to get in the end zone. And man, the, the, the milk is curdled with the Packers and their running backs. I mean, Aaron Jones didn't play well. Like, A.J. Dillon outscored Aaron Jones. But that run offense is not functional, and I need to stop recommending them. I need to stop drinking the spoiled milk. I need to check the expiration on A.J. Dillon because it's expired and it's becoming a bad choice continuously to recommend him and to think that he can deliver anything more than like nine fantasy points. So A.J. Dillon continues to be a bad choice. He's he's a couple bad weeks away from jail. Now, again, I don't want to send A.J. to jail. I don't want to send A.J. to jail. It is a baller. But there it is. I'm convincing myself again. He's a baller. Milk is a bad choice. It was a bad choice. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, stop it. <laughs> His next three games, Washington, then Buffalo, then Detroit. I mean, if he can't go off in two out of those three matchups. Oh, geez. Oh, I'm, I'm doing it again. Oh, no. Check the expiration date. Into the I'm All doing right. it. Oh, no. Um, on this podcast last Friday, I said MVS is a priority target. I did highlight that Juju could be a good play as well. But I, I like the MBS. MBS had been playing better than Juju. Bad choice. I forgot. MBS, stone hands. He's just not that good. He's just not that good. Juju actually has had some pretty good years. Juju actually might be good. And Juju Ball, it was his best game of the year. I think he had like 22 fantasy points. MBS, zero. Bad choice. Gotta check the expiration date. Just it's just not a good was not a good call for MBS. He did have a touchdown that got called back, which was a little tilting. But still, Juju was the better play. I should have seen that all along. And really the most spoiled, rotten milk out there that continues to be a bad choice weekly is trusting Cliff Kingsbury. I, I can't even... I, I, I'm i just going to let you take over. I'm, a, I'm, I'm way too angry to talk about <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to talk about him in a little bit. I have another one. You can talk about him a little bit if you want to. It's just... Tom Brady being just the worst human being, just absolute human garbage. He's just a terrible choice. Just what's going on with this man. What a miserable guy he is. I don't know, man. I don't know what Brady's doing. Is there anything worse than getting prepped for a divorce with your supermodel wife and losing to Mitch Trubisky? (laughs) Or, Or you hit Bob Kraft's surprise wedding in New York City on a Friday 
skip your team walkthrough on Saturday and fly into the game on a private jet away from your teammates, come on the field, then scream at your offensive linemen because they're not blocking well enough, even though they're all second and third string rookies who've never played before. And he has his personal days on Wednesdays, right? I think he might have played on Wednesday. I think he might have played. I don't. I don't know. But uh, I trusted. I trusted Tom Brady to to deliver the goods. I had it in the gambling section. I had Bucks minus eight and a half. Uh, I also had it as a matchup to highlight as players that could play well. Um, I did not have Chase Claypool in there. (laughs) Um, I had Pickens and Deontay Johnson who did not deliver. Claypool did deliver. Najee caught that touchdown, but the Bucks like just couldn't score. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know, man. I, bad choice, bad choice all around. We'll talk about Clifford a little bit before I start sweating, but what, what's going on here? Who, who is your bad to sit with? Tell us a little bit. Tell us about that curdled milk that you had. Oh yeah. I didn't even know oat milk could expire, but <laughs> I, Isaiah McKenzie is my expired oat milk of the week. Cause we highlighted the Buffalo Kansas city matchup as almost a safe bet to start anybody. Um, from that matchup and with Isaiah McKenzie him and Khalil Shakir kind of going back and forth between who gets this slot role who fixes in the offense Isaiah McKenzie got his opportunity and like he blew it and I don't want to beat up on the kid I was on Twitter and it sounds like Bill's fans are trying to be very positive but he had a rough day he had a rough outing all around ended up with a an end zone drop and just wasn't good at all for the Bills and that was a huge bummer and like i said he's kind of like my oat milk alternative because he's not digs the whole milk you know he's not the whole milk that is digs but he's more like an oat milk and and he kind of blew it and then you got gabe davis the really special almond milk that's always a treat when you have it you know but that was really really sad you you went to the freezer and you're like you know what i really want some creamy delicious ice cream so you're you know you're going around you're like oh this looks good Next thing you know, you pull out some like Trader Joe's ice cream and you're like, oh, I like this. I, li- I like what this is. You take a bite and it's like a coconut oat milk, coconut cream ice cream. I grabbed that- the Halo top out of the fridge <laughs> instead of the dryers and I ended up with Isaiah McKenzie on my roster. Oh, no. That oh, was awful. man. Halo top. That's a roast. Oh, and then- <laughs> And then my other one was, um, and this is me, you know, trying to own up to it. I had suggested uh, Devin Who Vernay, because who the hell are you at this point, uh, as a potential streamer flex play for people. And he just, he just wasn't good, man. It just like, and mind you, the passing offense wasn't good. Like, I don't want to put that all too much. The only receiver from the Ravens that played well was Mark Andrews. But I had thought Devin Duvernay would have a good opportunity with no Bateman to have a solid fantasy week. And he just didn't do that. But I'm confused. Is the Giants defense good? Or is Lamar in the passing game just out of whack right now? I don't know how to read that situation. But that was a bummer. And as soon as Rashad Bateman comes back, I don't know if I could really trust Devin DuVernay as a flex play. He's a very low-end, like, wide receiver three, four for me right now. DuVernay's tough. A lot of people had him as a good choice. Like, he, you know, he looks really good with DVOA metrics. He's played well. They've used him out of the backfield. But, like, Again, just like everyone predicted, this was the big Kenyon Drake week. So we were all prepared for that. Um, no, I mean, it's it's tough. Like, I, you know, I, I respect the process there. But yeah, it was milk was a bad choice. I, I thought you were going to own up to Eno. Well, but Eno, he was on the field for like 80% of the stabs. He just... That, that's the thing is like, I don't want to... I can own up to that. Like, Eno, I thought was going to be a smash play, but nobody from the Cardinals was a good play this week. They scored three points on the opening drive, and that was it. That was it. I don't know how much I want to put blame on Eno. And then, to make matters worse about my Eno pickup and then me picking up on my personal teams and, like, trying to highlight him as a potential play, he ends up on the injury report today. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) To pour some salt in my wound. I don't know how serious it is, but, I mean, gosh, it just, like, that's brutal. Like, I don't even know how much he finished with. Did you say how much he finished with? Oh, like, he, I don't even think he cracked 10. I, I want to say it was like, uh, here, I'll tell you, 9.5 in PPR. 15 carries for 37 yards. He was your stream I mean, of the week, man. 
we're putting that in milk is a bad choice. I'm gonna. You're not escaping that one. You're not escaping that one. I thought it was gonna be a smash play for him, and it was just. It was, but so... Kenny, Wa- Kenny Walker ended up being the smash. We did mention about him when we highlighted the matchups of the week. But yeah. wow, that that game. You know what? Okay, let's cue it. Let's cue the music. We're we're sending some people to jail. You're stealing. Right to jail. You're playing music too loud. Right to jail. Right away. You're driving too fast. Jail. Slow. Jail. Oh, you know this is a family-friendly podcast. I like to think, except on Fridays when Brandon Coy uh, says anything, right? Oh, but I'm going to summon every ounce of self-restraint when I'm talking about Cliff Cliff Kingsbury right now. Okay, so heading into this weekend, I was pretty excited about the Cardinals. For context, the Lions without Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark, and DeAndre Swift scored 39 points on the Seahawks. The Saints with Andy Dalton and without Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas scored 39 points on the Seahawks. The Cardinals, with all of their weapons, well, I guess not James Conner, who hadn't been playing that well, without DeAndre Hopkins, you know, because Hopkins is suspended and coming back next week, with essentially all of their skill position group pretty much intact, like the players that we think are good, they scored nine points. I thought an offense with Kyler Murray would be able to torch the worst pass defense in DVOA right now. I thought good old Cliff could get the job done. But no. This fucking bum. This guy needs to give up play calling. He is not good. His offense is not creative. He sticks the same players in the same formations. They run like zero motion, and they're doing nothing to help their quarterback. He can't see anything. Kyler can't see over the offensive lineman, can't see anything over the middle of the field, so he just rolls out, escapes the pocket. There's just nothing downfield. When you keep rolling out to the pocket and your wide receivers are all 5'8 and 5'10, they're not going to be able to win downfield. So what is this offense that you've developed, and what are the plays that you're calling? Because, dude, this is tilting. You are a joke. We get it. You you have a nice house. And, you know, you were in your nice house for the draft. And you had a cool scheme when you came into the NFL. But I'm done. I'm done with Cliff. I'm sending him to jail. I'm, I'm not set, sure how he still has a job in the NFL. I mean, let's He just got an extension. That. He just got an extension this offseason. Well, let's not forget that Cliff Kingsbury couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Like people, people want to forget that. I feel like, like nobody wants to talk about that anymore. Like he couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes and somehow gets an NFL job as a head coach with a losing record as Patrick Mahomes, your quarterback at Texas Tech. And he's been awful. He's just an awful coach. And I agree. He's got to give up the play calling. He can't keep doing that. I'd rather let Kyler go out there and pull up his own little play sheet. And a mini little play sheet and just go out there and run around because it would be better than what Cliff Kingsbury is drawing up every week for their game plan. I just, I don't, I don't know, man. He burned you with, you know, <laughs> yeah. I thought Rondo yeah. Moore could have a good game, but he's like, the bubble screens just look pathetic. Like this offense is not functional. It should be so much better. They just scored nine points on the Seahawks. Like, what are we doing? Go to jail. You just made Zach Taylor look like an offensive genius, Cliff. Like, come on. And he can take uh, his little short quarterback, Kyler Murray, with him to jail and maybe bring an Xbox so I'm, Kyler can play some public dude I'm, in there. I'm, I'm out on Kyler. Kyler's going to jail. I, just pretty much solely for the fact that he threw that hospital ball, a jump ball to a 5'8 receiver in Marquise Brown who immediately breaks his foot. It's going to be out for six weeks after throwing that ball. Like it also Kyler gets sacked like six times. Have you ever seen someone so fast get sacked so much? Like what was the pocket awareness holds on the ball way too long. He bails out of pockets way too fast. The dude is seeing ghosts. Like I want to give Kyler more of a pass. I think he rushed for like close to a hundred yards. So if you had him fantasy, he was like decent, but like I'm sending, I'm sending Kyler to jail. That performance was pathetic. Like, hey, let's not forget that uh, new Call of Duty dropped last week, early access, double XP points. Kyler's probably off his game. I just, like, we, we get the good and we get the bad. The good Kyler is that Raiders game, right, where he's just wreaking havoc, running all over the field, 
making stuff happen. And we get the bat where he tries to do this against the Seahawks and just gets absolutely destroyed. The guy was taking so many hits. He looked rattled. Like his his play caller isn't doing anything for him. But like the guy cannot complete a pass downfield. He was the best deep ball passer in the NFL last year by EPA per play. And he literally cannot complete a deep shot this year. So Kyler, you're going to jail, man. You and Cliff, you two married at the hip with your massive contract extension that you got that like I don't really think you deserved. And Cliff got a contract extension that I don't think you really deserved. And now you got Robbie Anderson. And oh my goodness. That'll solve it all. Quickly, DJ Moore, go to jail, dude. Moore only scored three points last week, and that wasn't even his worst week this season. Straight to jail. DJ Moore has been the biggest bust in fantasy this season. Full stop. While you're at it, DJ Moore, take the entire Carolina Panthers organization outside of Christian McCaffrey. PJ Walker was the worst quarterback I watched this weekend. Wasn't even close. The Rams were still trailing at one point in the second half, though. What are you doing? Come on, LA. This is embarrassing. But the Panthers organization, DJ Moore, you're going to jail. I'm over it. AJ Dillon, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not sending <laughs> you to jail. I, I, One more wink of AJ Dillon, though. AJ, I'm not doing it, man. Uh, this weirdo spiraling version of Tom Brady that looks like he's wearing a mask as his face, who's getting a divorce and his life is falling apart. Dude, go to jail, man. Why do you wear that dumb camo hat, too, on the sidelines? Like, you're chewing out people in this ridiculous camo hat when you're 45 years old. Like, maybe just take a break. Retire. Like, just, I'm Go over see it. your kids. <laughs> I'm not sending Tom Brady, like, I'm not sending the real Tom Brady to jail. I'm sending this weirdo freak spiraling just like a, weirdo. Just like a night or two in the drunk tank, you know? Just, I'm over it, Tom. Figure it out. You're still the GOAT, but I'm out of, I'm over uh, again, this is a theme. Short quarterbacks who can't throw over the middle field and continue to bail out of the pocket. Russell Wilson, please go to jail. You are not that good anymore. What is going on? Cortland Sutton is wide open for half this game across the middle of the field. And you cannot throw it to him. Defenses know exactly what you want to do, and they stop you every single time. Please go to jail, Russ. I'm over it. Nathaniel Hackett, dude, like, what are you doing, man? You had 11 days to prepare for this game, and you had, like, over 100 penalty yards. You, several plays where you didn't have enough men on the field and then you lose the game on a muff punt. Like, it's just coaching. You're a terrible head coach. You hired a bunch of new head coaches too who have never done their current jobs that they're in. So not only are you a bad coach, you've done a really bad job filling out your staff outside of your defensive coordinator. Just go to jail, dude. Like, I'm tired of watching you on primetime. You stink. You were funny last Thursday. You were funny tonight. You're super bald. Nothing against bald people. <laughs> Nothing against bald people, but he looks like a thumb, man. He looks like a thumb out there. And, you know, he, he called a touchdown to Tungalicious. And I'm still annoyed about that. I'm still upset about Tungalicious. I'm still not over it. So that's who I'm sending to jail this week, dude. You sending anyone else? Um, I think that's a pretty solid list. Um, after tonight's performance, even though I didn't watch it, I'm just going to go ahead and send Melvin Gordon there as well, too. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking this year, but whether he's injured or not, I'm just going to kick him in there as well. He can go with Nathaniel Hackett. You know, that's just an awful, awful performance. Just like, I don't know what I was thinking this year, that he might be okay. Split in the backfield. I should have known better. Prison. Oh, um, I would like to put Arthur Smith back in jail. I think we've already talked about this, but how am I supposed to have any fun with my Atlanta young receiving core shares? I can't enjoy Drake London. I can't enjoy Kyle Pitts. Even if he scored a touchdown, did I play him? No. Why would I play him? They're not even throwing the ball more than 15 times a game, and they're winning, and it sucks. They're I need them to lose. They're I need them to lose <laughs> so they could change their gameplay, Sean. They're three and zero, and Mariota's had less than like fifteen passing attempts. I, honestly, oh my dude, God. Kyler, I, I don't really think that I don't think that Arthur Smith should go to jail. They're winning, like they're they're dominating people on the ground. I don't care about real football, Sean. I care about fake football and the team like man. <laughs> you go to jail for not starting Kyle Pitts. You coward. You coward. You got Pitts. You're starting Pitts. I don't want to hear it. You don't complain. That's your fault. Even though Pitts basically just had the stat line of Irv Smith 
but we're taking it, baby. We're taking it. <laughs> we'll take it. Well, after sending some people to jail, let's uh, let's talk about some waivers for people who might get you out of jail next week, Sean. So, Keegan, wa- waivers this week? Not great. Not not, not great. great. But you know, if you haven't been stockpiling people on waivers over the past couple weeks, we have buys this week. So you that might really, need to really leverage. Matter. Yeah, you might need to leverage waivers this week. I think particularly a quarterback is going to be key. But yeah. who do you? Who, what? Who's on buy this week? For I kind of forget. We've got Bills on buy this week. So no Allen, no Singletary. Yeah. Um, no Diggs, Dig, no Davis. Gabe Davis. Yeah. No Isaiah McKenzie. Thank God I don't have to flirt with that. Uh, no Dawson Knox Vikings. No Cook. No Jefferson. Uh, no Thielen. Hey, got a touchdown last week. Uh, and Kirko bangs, baby. Don't forget about Big Kirko in his yeah. chains. We had him as a recommended streamer for the week, and he ended up with point one point over expected uh, or projected PPR. So that's what we like to see. Gino um, almost Gino, Gino picked up a pen this week, but he, he threw it away. <laughs> Gino picked up a pen, but he threw it away. Who and else? Then, we have? Uh, Eagles. So no Squirts, no Sanders, no AJ Brown, no Dallas Goddard. Devonta, Devonta Smith. Smith. Their that defense. Their defense, defense has been fire. Yeah. And then Rams. Um, uh, yeah, you know, people are happy. Cup. Yeah, I think people are happy. They don't have to figure Higby. out the Allen Robinson. Higby, too. Higby. Higby, too. Yeah. Yeah, so no Higby. And then no Rams defense either this week. But those are the four teams on okay. five this it's week. It's pretty substantial. You have Diggs, Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup out. So, yeah, waivers. Hopefully you were stock- stockpiling players over the past couple weeks because waivers are a bit grim this week um so everyone out there that's looking for a quarterback this week i mean we've ran through a bunch i mean Mariota, if he's out there is going to be a good option um i mean i can't believe i'm saying this but matt ryan like oh goodness <laughs> like after that performance what are we thinking like matt ryan may be a decent play this week to pick up and start in case you have any of those big quarterbacks here on a bye. I think he's going to be end up playing Tennessee, which has been relatively friendly for fantasy purposes. Over the past four weeks, he's finished over 15 fantasy points three out of the four times. So he has a bit of viability. I'm not a huge Matt Ryan fan, but I think you could do worse. I, again, I think Mariota is probably my favorite option out there considering the rushing upside. But what do you think? I had Matt Ryan. Did you have anyone else? Oh, uh, you know, I'm looking at this list here that we've gotten written up. I don't love the Matt Ryan thing. Justin Fields, I guess. Um, but the rushing upside thing matters. Justin Fields, like when he gets on the open field, is a great runner. But they're playing the Pats next week. And that's, I mean, the Pats just had the Browns in hell. Dude, they their defense is still really good and well coached, so that could be a really tough one. And then on the opposite side of it, you have Bailey Zappi. Talk to me about this. I might be drinking the Kool Aid, but I think Zappi is going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. I think he's played pretty well when given a chance. Scored 18 points last week. I saw some all 22 film of him navigating the pocket. It was like the exact opposite of Kyler in terms of his movement, his arm angles, what he was doing. I think in a two QB league, like you must have Bailey Zappi on your team, in my opinion. And I think he's only going to continue to get better. So again, he didn't have a great week against Detroit because they didn't really ask him to do much, but you know, he threw for 309 passing yards and two touchdowns last week. Chicago doesn't have that good of a defense. I think he could be pretty decent. Oh, uh, just quick hitters. There's one game where maybe two of the quarterbacks might have an opportunity to be pretty decent, but um, Danny Dimes and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor had a pretty good week this week, actually. He was great. Um, only, only threw two incompletions, um, got going with his feet a little bit, a couple of rushing attempts, um, and two touchdowns there, uh, 24 fantasy points, almost 25, 24.9. And Danny Dimes always has the rushing upside, um, but those are some two quick hits for there. I mean, I think Daniel Dimes is probably the best one. Now that I'm thinking about it, probably should have led with Danny Dimes. The Jaguars' defense just got absolutely toasted. Wandale Robinson is emerging in that offense. And Daniel Jones hasn't really had a great week, but he hasn't really had a week where he is awful. I mean, he scored 13 points last week, 12 the week before, 21, 13, 13, 16. Like, this isn't amazing, 
But again, if you're like Josh Allen's out, you need a quick starter. Pretty yeah. nice floor to work yeah. with. And if Trevor Lawrence is available in your league, like, yes, go pick up Trevor Lawrence. Like, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. I think, is going to finish as a top 12 fantasy quarterback this season. So go pick him up. He has viability for season long as well. Um, do we have to do running backs? Running backs are bad, <laughs> dude. Running backs are really bad this week. So I had Kenyon Drake. You know, I can't believe he's still a thing. You know, I think what's important to understand is J.K. Dobbins' knee acted up. I guess he wasn't really moving that well on the turf, which is a thing if you're coming back from an ACL injury. Kenyon Drake looked good. He looked fast. He had broke off that big touchdown run. You know, Ravens running backs are always going to have a bit of viability. Gus Edwards is supposed to come back. So I don't know. And Justice Hill looked pretty good when he's played. So I think you got to add Kenyon Drake if you have an available roster spot. I wouldn't spend it too much of your fab. But considering how this backfield's going... It could be another last man standing situation and it could be beneficial. So maybe if you pick him up, see how he performs over the next couple of weeks, you could easily cut him again. That's kind of how I would pre, uh, approach Kenyon Drake. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it sucks to suggest this. I don't, I guess because of the idea that whoever the good running back is in Baltimore is a great starting option. So go out there and get him if you really need to. Um, but that sucks. Um, when is Justin Hill back and Gus is I coming back too? Get, they, I mean, they're they're coming gets, back in the next couple weeks. The waters get really muddy there. I'll just say that. That's that's a tough one. Um, and then next here we have like, ugh. Stop making it a thing. He <laughs> cannot die. You cannot put him down. Like this man is going to continue to play in the NFL till he's 45 and rushing for like 4.5 yards per pop. Of course, we have to put Latavius Murray. I know you didn't watch this game, but in the second half, he basically took over full starting duty and he played pretty well. Like, all things considered, he was just signed, like, picked up off the streets. Like, he was on the practice squad for the Saints, got elevated for the London game. He looked great in the London game. And he comes in and looks pretty good for the Broncos. I would pick up Latavius Murray. I wouldn't be super excited about it. But again, we've been advocating for someone like Brian Robinson for weeks. Like, it's really, it didn't really look that different, if you want, if I'm yeah. being blunt. Like, I think Latavius Murray is worth picking up. That's fair. This is a deep one, but the one I probably like the most is Kieran Williams. He is the backup running back on the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams just cut ties with Cam Akers. Daryl Henderson is was their bell cow this past week. We all know Daryl Henderson's health situation. We saw the backup running backs behind him. They were trash. Kieran Williams was supposed to kind of be a big part of this offense at the start of the season. He was supposed to be a starting running back for Cam Akers in week one. But he actually got a high ankle sprain on the opening kickoff of week one against the Bills, which put him on, you know, four-week, six-week IR. He's about to be activated pretty shortly here off this high ankle sprain. Now, a lot of running backs do struggle coming off the high ankle sprains, right? So this is no guarantee by anything. But the Rams are desperately, desperately trying to get their running game going. And if he even has like a modicum of juice, even an ounce of juice in him, I think they're going to lean on him. So I think it's a deeper play. It's kind of a dart throw, but I like this one better than like, better than Kenyon Drake, even though Kenyon Drake said a 20 point game. Uh, yeah, running backs. I'll give you some advice. If you need a running back and you're staring at your team and you don't like what you see, go trade for one. <laughs> yeah, or like, Continue to just prey on Leonard Fournette's downfall. <laughs> yeah, because we've been holding on to Rashad White. Yeah, I, I got know. so yeah. much Rashad White shares. I mean, like, Jarrett McKinnon is interesting. He continues to be a part of this offense. Nothing insane, like six points, nine points. Caleb Huntley got the ball a lot. He had 16 carries, but he only finished with five fantasy points. It's like he's not catching the ball at all. Damian Williams could be something... Gus Edwards could be something getting activated. But I, I'd rather take a shot on Kieran Williams. I really would. Adam Schefter at the beginning of the year, that was one of his deeper plays. Like It was Rashad White, and he also really liked Kieran Williams because he had insider information, which is like, that's not fair. Like Adam Schefter should not be able to play fantasy football with the insider information he has. It's like, <laughs> it's like insider trading. But I guess he had insider information that the Rams had big plans for Kieran Williams. So who knows? The, you know, the ankle might be... You know, it might make him toast, but it might be worth the ad. So I'd take a look at Kieran Williams. But yeah, running back is brutal because, again, there was no season-altering injury at running back this week. So 
we uh, I think we can leave it there. Wide receivers. So I think first and foremost, before diving into some of our deeper plays, like if Alec Pierce and Rondell Moore are on waivers right now, you should go pick them up. Alec Pierce has been really consistent and very good this season as a rookie. I know you were pretty much like, I'm not going to touch anyone that's on the Colts, but Alec Pierce has been fantastic, man. Like, Well, what do you... Well, so looking at Alec Pierce, um, 53 snaps, and he did run 41 routes. That is fucking crazy. Uh, seven targets this week, and it was a good game. But, I mean, why not somebody like Paris Campbell? He was out there for 81 snaps and ran 58 routes and had 10 targets. Because Paris Campbell's Mr. Wind Sprints, this was his first good week. Alec Pierce has scored 9 points, 12 points, 16 points, and 13 points. Now, Paris Campbell, if he starts to get going a bit, that's fair. But I think Paris Campbell really benefited from the fact that they threw the ball 58 times this week. So did Deion Jackson. But you see, Alec Pierce has been able to accumulate stats with normal passing scripts. He's been able to win against better corners. Uh, Alex Pierce is clearly defined number two. Paris Campbell's on the field. So I think, you know, it's worth more of a dart throw. But I'm for sure prioritizing Alec Pierce. Yeah, always, uh, I think, default to in a situation like this where you have two potential ads from a team. Like, I'm always going to leave for, like, the younger upside, right, from Alec yeah. Pierce. Rondell Moore, again, is second straight week going over double-digit fantasy points. I thought he'd have a bigger week, but I'm a clown that trusted Cliff Kingsbury. But, I, you know, he's not going to replace Hollywood Brown because, again, Kingsbury's offense, everyone lines up in the same spot. So Robbie Anderson is actually going to replace some of Hollywood Brown's offense. DeAndre Hopkins is just going to smash when he comes back at this point. But I think oh Rondell God. Moore is going to continue to get targets in this offense. And if he's out there on waivers, you got to pick him up. You can start Rondell Moore easily. I think he is a floor at this point, and I still like his ceiling, even though his team's a joke. Another guy we've recommended, Corey Davis, who is just straight up Zach Wilson's favorite target and is the number one receiver in this offense. It's not Garrett Wilson. It's not Elijah Moore, not Tyler Conklin. Like Corey Davis is the number one wideout in this offense that at least Zach Wilson trusts. I think he's had over like 50 receiving yards and. Like, every game he's been out there, he's been pretty consistent. Yeah, I mean, he's only had, well, he had a 38-yard game, and he had a 27-yard game, but, you know, 77 yards week one, uh, 83 week two. I mean, he's had some decent fantasy games, but if the Jets aren't going to throw the ball enough for their wide receivers to be fantasy relevant, like, I I guess you could get Corey Davis as a safe play, uh, but the points aren't necessarily there. Uh, for me to think about him as a serious like plug-and-play option for me yeah, I need to see more from Zach and their offensive output they also have to play Denver next week at Denver um, so we'll see but he's been a very safe option for Zach Wilson there's no denying he's basically the number one receiver right now for them he only had seven fantasy points last week but again he led the team in receiving and they threw the ball like 15 16 times a guy that I would really want to add is Wondell Robinson. So I was pretty big on Wondell Robinson in the pre-draft process. I thought he could have a big role because the Giants are just really hurting for wide receivers. He hurts his knee week one, comes out his first week back from the injury, only gets on the field for 23% of his snaps, right? But he was targeted on 36% of the routes that he ran. So when he's on the field, he's getting targeted like crazy. He looked really good, scored a touchdown, had 12 fantasy points on 23% of snaps. I think his role is going to continue to grow because, like, they have to. They're, they're This team is winning games, man. Like, they're going to want to go to the playoffs. They need wide receivers. Like, I, I this is really obvious to me that Wondell role, like Wondell's role expands. Even though he's, like, 5'7", which freaks me out, like, I really do think he has a role in this offense that's actually pretty good. So I would really rush to add Wondell Robinson this week. Um, and then quick hits on some other rookies that might have been dropped due to production or people like not being happy with their roles. Um, I, I doubt he's out there for a lot of people, but Romeo Dobbs for one. Um, Johan Dotson, who's been injured the past couple of weeks, if people don't have IR spots or haven't been holding on to him, go check if he's available. Um, I like Wondell Robinson as an ad. Um, and then Traylon Burks, who's missed a lot of time with the turf toe, maybe not somebody that people hold on to, like go check that out. And then the last person I want to talk about or ask you a question about real quick is, and we haven't talked about him once this year, is 
Donovan Peoples Jones for Cleveland. Um, and they DPJ. had DPJ. They had a really rough game, obviously, against the Patriots, but, you know, caught four passes for 74 yards in that loss. Um, it's his third straight game with four or more, four or more catches for 50 or more yards. Um, this is a nice little stat. 362 offensive snaps ranked 12th among wide receivers this season, and he leads the team in offensive snaps. Um, so there's somewhat upside there in a very deep league, uh, but he's still the number two option in a very run-heavy offense. But I think that's somebody we haven't talked about all year that might be out there for somebody if you're looking for somebody who's definitely going to be on the field. Yeah, DPJ, yeah, you're right. He's played a ton of snaps this season. So when you're out there, you're going to typically create a nice floor for yourself just based off the snaps you play. I don't know, though. I mean, he, he could be an interesting, you know, you start him this week against Baltimore. Baltimore's corners are banged up. He, he could play decently well. Just want to add some quick hits for the folks, you know. A guy I like better is Tyquan Thornton, who just had really his first big game coming back off IR. He started the season at IR with a broken collarbone. He's the rookie speedster with New England. I'm pretty high on New England if I'm recommending Bailey Zappi and Tyquan Thornton. That offense looked really good. He had a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. I think he continues to see his role grow. To have that kind of percentage of targets and points on 57% of snaps, it's pretty impressive. And like Nelson Aguilar is injured. Devontae Parker has his role. Yeah, like Devontae Parker has his role. Tyquan Thornton has his role. If they continue to lean on Zappi, he's just an interesting dart throw. Like scoring 21 points of fantasy, having two rush, have a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown as a receiver. He looks so fast, dude. So I think he's a good pickup. DPJ is solid too. I think DPJ has a higher floor than Tyquan Thornton, where I think Tyquan Thornton could have a higher ceiling. But. Yeah, I think DBJ is worth taking a look at, especially considering like if you have Justin Jefferson on by and you know, like Rashad Bateman injured, you know, you're like you, you need more people playing. So I like that. Lastly, tight end. Um yeah, I mean tight ends, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I I don't know, man. I I, I kind of like Daniel Bellinger, you know, another giant that I'm recommending. I like this though. I mean, they just don't have any pass catchers. Like it's if somebody's going to be an option, Daniel Bellinger has been pretty good um, with, you know, like you said, back-to-back weeks with a touchdown in the notes here, 94% of snaps. Like, this is, he's going to be out there on the field, and if, if it's Wandale and Daniel Bellinger attacked, then let's move forward, baby. He's, t- he's tight end 15 right now at Fantasy, which is really hard to do as a rookie. So I'm, I'm cautious about recommending rookie tight ends, but he's playing well. A guy who isn't a rookie tight end who's had a pretty great career Big Bob Tanyan, Robert Tanyan finally had his first breakout game of the season and it wasn't in his typical fashion. Usually a Big Bob Tanyan game is three catches, two touchdowns, 30 yards. But Randall Cobb went out in this game early and Tanyan just became the security blanket. So for anyone that's heard us talk about this, Tanyan's really been ramped up slowly post ACL surgery. And this was the highest percentage of snaps he's played all year at 62%. So 12 targets, 10 catches, 90 yards. Like That's like a Mark Andrews stat line for Rob Tanyan. Could be worth picking up. I think he might have like viability for the rest of the season too, especially with just like the current state of the receiving core for the Packers. Yeah, and if they struggle, like they struggled against the Jets moving forward, I mean, he was getting peppered with so many yeah. like short targets because they just couldn't move the ball downfield. Yeah. Like He could definitely be a good play for you for the remainder of the year. Someone take my mic for me because I'm going to recommend my third Patriot. Um, I kind of like Hunter Henry. He's had four-plus targets in three straight games. You know, he's a touchdown boomer bust tight end. He's been that way for three, four seasons now. But he's he's been a consistent good player in real football terms and fantasy terms for a while now. I think you could do worse than Hunter Henry during bye weeks or if you just need a spot start. Like, he, he probably could catch a touchdown for you. Greg Dulcich. Now, I don't want to call my own shot here, but I've been recommending Greg Dulcich for a couple weeks now. He had three targets, two catches. He had a touchdown. He had a red zone target as well. Rookie tight end, so it's real boomer bust, but he looked good. He looked good for his first game coming off IR for the Denver Broncos. So, again, I know no one really wants to add more shares of the Broncos offense, but I kind of liked it. He looked explosive. Albert Zero was in a healthy scratch. He was an inactive so I, I think they're going to really open up the runway here for Dulcich to be the starting tight end. 
And then uh, last on the list, so we talked about him last week a little bit, but uh, Tay Dodden, yeah. the rookie tight end for Tampa Bay. Uh, Cameron Braid suffered a, a very scary looking injury this yeah. week. I hope he's all right. You know, I had to remove the face mask from him. That was not a pretty scene. Um, but K Dodd should have an opportunity to move up in this offense and have a role as a tight end for Tom Brady. And, you know, Tom Brady and tight ends, we know how that connection goes. Um, and we'll see if he can trust the rookie, but not a bad long shot play. I like K Dodd. He's already delivered a couple times this season. Yeah, Cameron Brady, that was scary to see anyone get stretchered off like that, but wishing him a speedy recovery. But that's it for a stinky waiver wire. Not a great one. You know, no Kenneth Walker action on the wire this week. So nothing super exciting, but you can win leagues on down waiver wire weeks when people aren't paying attention. Like you could go pick up Jameson Williams if he's out there. I've been suggesting it every throw, week. Throw him on the IR. On to him. I don't even know if they're going to activate him this week. I need him so bad. Sean. Throw him on the IR. I might do it too. <laughs> But, you know, that is going to wrap up episode 13 of the Regression to the Mean podcast. Keegan and I really appreciate your support. It has been a blast. If you haven't followed the Twitter account, please do. We are firing off daily there. Uh, we're, you know, trying to keep you up to date with fun, relevant fantasy content. I can't believe I just used the word fun. That was a bummer. <laughs> but, um, you know, great episode, man. Thank you again for coming on. We appreciate it. We're having a blast, and we're going to see you on Thursday night for our Friday episode. Yes, sir. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will talk to you later.